My name's Jeff, and I'm an alcoholic. I also like to alcoholically do drugs. I thought I'd just toss that out into the pot. Um, really good to be here tonight. I want to thank Aaron for uh, for having me. Aaron in the corner. Okay. And uh, by way of Kurt, who's a very good friend of mine. Uh, yeah, and I, I love 26 and Broadway, man. This is a great place. Great place for sobriety. Um, always love coming here. Um, yeah, man, I'll tell you what, I, uh, I'm so blessed to be sober, so blessed to be sober, I, uh, you know, because from the time when I first started drinking, it was like, you know, I wanted to be loaded all the time, I mean, like, you know, when, what, because, you know, growing up, I, I grew up in a good family, you know, I, I come from a family, and, uh, there's no other alcoholics or addicts in my family that I'm aware of. And, uh, you know, my parents are still married to this day. Uh, love each other very much. Always had, you know, food to eat, you know, clothes. Always went to schools, played sports, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, i got to tell you that I believe I've been an alcoholic since the day that I've been born. Because as far back as I can remember, I can always remember having had the feelings of being restless, irritable, and discontent. You know, I was uh, I always judged who I was on the outside or who I was on the inside based on other people's outsides. You know, the cards were never quite stacked upright. You know, um, and uh, I was kind of a late bloomer as far as uh, drinking goes. You know, I didn't I really didn't even start drinking till I was till I was nineteen. Um, and uh, it, but man, I you know once I once I found the alcohol, you know, and the drugs came not very long after that but um you know it was like it was like magic for me man i mean it was it was absolutely magic you know because the very first drink that i took you know it was uh you know it was a really stiff canadian mist whiskey and coke and you know i remember you know taking it and it, you know it started warming up my, you know my throat on the inside and my esophagus got really warm you know and, uh, and I, was, I was like oh that's kind of weird and you know and uh and uh my buddies were like i'll keep drinking just drink through that man it'll get better you know right and uh they were right it did it got better <laughs> um yeah, man, and it was like, you know, once the buzz started to kick in, once my head started to tingle a little bit, started feeling good, I was, I was like, oh, yeah, man, you know, the shoulders kind of got loose, you know, my tongue freed up a little bit, you know, because growing up, I'd always been that, you know, that, that kind of the shy, quiet kid that was really nice and, you know, respectful and polite and always did, the, you know, the stuff that people, you know, expected me to do and always said, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, and please and thank you, and, you know, deep inside. I always secretly wanted to be that little bastard, you know? You know the one I'm talking about. The one that, that all the stories were told about. You know, all the kids were always talking about, oh, that little bastard, he did this and that. And, you know, I secretly wanted to be that guy, you know, the, the center of attention, you know? It, it, you know, up to that point, the way that I saw it, there was two kind of people in life, you know, the people that, uh, you know, that told the stories and the people that the stories were told about. And uh, I wanted to put the shoe on the other foot, you know? And, uh... So, uh, you know, so as, as that bus started to kick in, man, it was like I felt the weight of the world come off my shoulders. I mean, it was absolutely magical, you know. I mean, it was like, you know, and, and from that very, first, that very first episode, man, I blacked out, you know. I was a blackout drinker from the very first time. And, uh, and uh, it was just, man. And I remember, you know, what it did for me, it, you know, it made me feel a part of. 
it allowed me, and this is one of the biggest things that alcohol and drugs did for me. It allowed me to not care what people think about me. You know, I'm one of these people that, man, no matter what, it's like I could be in a room full of people, you know, 100 people, 99 people like me, one person doesn't, I'm going to be focused on that one person, you know. You know, I'm going to make that person like me by the time it's all said and done. And, uh, you know, the, the way the way that my head works, it's like i got this committee table, right, this huge conference table up in my head with like, you know, like 20 or 30 different per- personalities up there, and they're always squawking at me, you know, like, you're not good enough, nobody likes you, why are you here, nobody knows your name, you don't belong, you know, and it was like as I started drinking, man, the committee got quiet. You know, the uh, the volume went down, and um, and you know, and I started I started feeling really good. And uh, you know, and that's you know the the cool thing about me when I was when alcohol and drugs were working for me when I was getting loaded is that you know when I got loaded, man, I would I would go to the happy place. You know, I would forget all my worries, all my concerns, you know. I could be having a real crappy day and, you know, that would all go away because, I, you know, I'd get, hey, man, it's great, it's happy, everything, good, you know, good times. And, uh, you know, no matter what was going on. And uh, I just, you know, I, I love that because, you know, I eventually got to the point, you know, where I was drinking every single day. You know, every single day I was doing drugs if they were available too, you know. And I, I'm a garden variety addict. You know, I don't, you know, just give me something to tell me it's going to change the way I feel. I don't even care what it is, man. You know, I was, was smoking weed, popping pills, doing coke, crystal meth, whatever it is, man. I don't care. Give me something, man. Just tell me it's going to, you know, anywhere but here. That's where I want to be. And, uh, you know, I like to drink and drug with the kind of people that like to drink like I do. You know, if I'm stepping into the batter's box, I'm swinging for the fence, you know. And, uh. It's just, you know, once I, once I started getting into the groove, it was like I, I just planned on drinking every single day for the rest of my life. You know, my idea of a perfect ending to my to my, my fabulous alcoholic life would just be to, you know, one day grow old and end up sitting on a beach down in Mexico with a big fat margarita in one hand and a, and a big fat blunt in the other one and just fade off into the sunset, you know. And that's exactly how I wanted to go out, you know. And, uh... And man, that was my that was my dream and goal, you know. Um, and while I was up there, I had some great times, man. You know, I uh, man, you know, being in, being in college, it was like, you know, I went to college, and one of the I'm really glad that I had the character defects of obsession and compulsion, because it took it took me a little while to get through college, but I wasn't going to give it up, man. I was holding on with like this death grip, you know. Most people get through college in you know four or five years. And uh, being the alcoholic that I was, you know, I managed to somehow cram four years into seven. <laughs> you know, and it was, and uh, and it's and it's and it's funny because I, you know, I remember I, uh, you know, like like college was when it really started kicking in for me, and and I remember, like, uh, and I, it's funny I was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day, but we, uh, I had this, I had this class, man. It was like I was working a full-time job and I was taking a full load and you know it was just, it was just you know and of course drinking every night and being hung over and all that and it was just really difficult to manage everything and I remember it was like halfway through the semester and I had this this guy walked up to me and he's like he's like he's like Hey man, are you uh, are you gonna are you did you study for that that midterm that we have in in it's like economics or something? And I was like I was like what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> he was like economics. Yeah, you're in that class. I'm like no, I'm not in that class, man. He was like yeah, the instructor calls your name for roll, you know, every day. And you're never there. <laughs> oh God, man. <laughs> like, and, you know, and it, and it was true. Like I you know I ended up flunking the class, of course, but. 
But um, it, it's funny because even even to this day, I still have recurring dreams. Like you know, like I got like uh, like oh my god, I wake up and it's like the last day of the class, and I've got the final, and like oh god, I gotta take this test, and, I and I'm not prepared for it. I didn't even know I was in the class. <laughs> you know, so, so that that still comes out subconsciously, I guess. But you know, I. Uh, I also had the perfect job while I was out there drinking and drugging. You know, after I got out of college, I uh, I was an assistant cruise director on a cruise ship. And, uh, oh man. <laughs> what a perfect job for an alcoholic. Oh my God. You know, my, uh, my only job was to make sure that people were just getting loaded and having a great time. <laughs> I mean, stepped right out of fraternity onto a cruise ship, you know what I mean? Like, that was perfect. And, uh, and it was a job that they actually encouraged you to be loaded while you're doing the job. You know, because it was like, man, I, you know, I could... At the time I was on this cruise ship, it was the second largest cruise ship in the world. I mean, it held like... I, I mean, it, it held up like 4,000 passengers. There was a crew of like 2,000 people. It was, I mean, it was like 12, 12 stories tall, and like it would fit the Statue of Liberty, like in the atrium of this ship. I mean, it was like absolutely enormous. And, uh, you know, like, like the beginning of every cruise, you know, the, you know, the cruise staff would come out, and, you know, we'd get the welcome aboard show, and we'd do the whole thing, and I'd give my little spill, and, you know, a couple parties I was hosting, and all this stuff, and, you know, just hammered. Oh, man, I love that, you know. <laughs> Oh. You know, our, our drink was a, it was called a it was called a woo woo. I don't know if anybody's ever had a woo woo, but it's uh it's like vodka, peach schnapps, and cranberry juice. And uh, boy, it goes in like nectar. But I'll tell you what, when you drink as much as I did, I always saw it again. You know what I mean? <laughs> Towards the end of the night, behind the DJ booth in the disco. Oh God. But uh, you know, but but you know what ended up happening, and, and it's like this this job was not like rocket science, right? I mean, my job description it was like you know leader of the spoon diving contest, <laughs> you know, like uh, you know host of the, the the singles party, you know the leader of the putt putt tournament, and it's like you know it's not like I'm you know in rush hour traffic on the 405 trying to get to you know Santa Clarita or anything. I mean, it's like you know we're all like right there, you know, and it's just, I mean, you know, I just, I go down the hall and go up the stairs and I'm like, there. <laughs> and uh, I somehow, you know, being loaded, I somehow always managed to be really late to everything I was supposed to host. You know, I'm sure nobody in here can relate to that, of course. But, um, you know, and it's just, I mean, man, and, and you know, and I started, you know, I kept messing up and, they kept, you know, I started doing geographics on the ships. <laughs> Crazy, you know my, uh, you know my boss, the cruise directors, and he's like, man, you're always late, you know. But we got a better ship for you to go to, you know. They sent me over here. They brought me back, and you know what ended up happening was, uh, you know, we were we were we were in, in Cozumel, you know, and it was you know during the daytime, you know, the, the cruise that we're all, you know we get to go out, we get to drink margaritas with everybody, and you know I'm a scuba diver, scuba whatever we were doing, and uh, come back on the ship, and you know I was I would you know. My friends were the uh, the band, you know. I was really good friends with the band, you know. They're the guys that always, you know, have the the good weed and stuff. And I was with them. We we're still smoking out, and and uh, I remember looking down at my watch, and it was like it was like 
you know, it was like it was like seven thirty, you know, and I remembered it. Like, oh my God, I'm supposed to host the, the, one of the largest events on the ship, like the passenger talent show. We, and I was supposed to be there at like seven o'clock, <laughs> you know. And it was just like, you know, once again, too busy drinking and getting loaded to remember what I was supposed to be doing. And uh, man, I ended up. Uh, you know, going up to this auditorium, huge auditorium. I mean, it was like a, an auditorium like on Broadway. I mean, it was like like a you know three level auditorium. Sat like a thousand people. You know, so I started from the back. I started walking down. You know, and you know all the, these passengers are standing around in the front. You know, the the crew staffs down there. That you know my you know my boss, the cruise director, was there, and you know all these people, and and uh, and they had the look. <laughs> if you're an alcoholic like I am, you know that look, right? <laughs> Messed up again. So, uh, you know, long story short, I ended up, you know, this, the security captain walked up to me before I even made it down to the front, and he's like, he's like, he's like, come with me, man. We gotta go downstairs. I gotta, I gotta have you do a couple of tests. I'm like, oh man, here it comes. You know, and up to that point, it was like the you know the hatchet had never really fallen on me to like really cause any significant. And I was I, you know I was just sitting, saying to myself like this is it, man. This is, and uh, so sure enough, you know he took he took me down and he you know he uh, he opened up the, the door of the restroom. He's like hand me a little plastic cup. He's like I need you to pee in this cup for me. Going in there and you know I walked in there. Of course I'm still stoned and still just drunk off my ass, you know. And I'm like, you know, I walked in there and really nervous too from being you know in the hot seat and you know I, I uh, the bathrooms on those cruise ships are really tight confined area, especially in the crew area. And like the, the sink was kind of hang, you know, kind of holding over the toilet a little bit. And as I walked in there, you know, I kind of tripped and my elbow hit the sink and I dropped that plastic cup right into the toilet. <laughs> And uh, and then my creative genius kicked in. You know that alcoholic creative genius that we all get when we get in tight spots. And uh, I was like, oh yeah, man. So I like scooped it up with fresh toilet water, right? And I walked out there. I'm like, here you go. Set it down. He stuck a little pH tester in there. And guess what? I was clean. Dodge the bullet, man. Unbelievable. I was a slippery bastard, man. I don't, there was a lot of times like that act that the hammer should have fallen on me, and it, and it didn't. You know, that's just that's one example out of many. But you know, afterwards, my boss called me in. You know, and he's like, he's like, look, I don't I don't care what that test you know came up with. He was like, he was like, I've worked with people like you before. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know. My experience is that you're going to get fired, you know? He was like, and I really like you. I don't want to have to fire you. So, I, you know, I'd like to go ahead and give you the option to leave, you know, if you if you want. Yeah. Give me the option. And uh, he was like, you know, but if you want to stick it out and see what happens, you know, I mean, you know, we're welcome to do that. But, you know, why don't you take a couple of days and think about it and let me know. And so... Um, you know, on my couple of days of reflection, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I reflected back on a lot of the jobs which I had lost, you know, gotten fired from for, you know, always some stupid alcohol or drug related reason, you know, I was loaded and I was an asshole to somebody or I couldn't show up to work or, you know, I wasn't nice to people or, you know, whatever, all those reasons, you know, that I'd been fired before and, and, uh, and I, you know, I realized that he was, you know, that he probably had a valid point, you know, and I, I decided to go ahead and take his option because, you know, I didn't want to get marked as a drug addict and an alcoholic, you know, in case I wanted to come back out and work on the ships again. 
So, um, and so I ended up, you know, so I ended up getting off the ships, and uh, it wasn't very long after that, you know, three or four months later, that I ended up moving out here to California, and uh, you know, I was out here all of about four months when I got my first DUI. Yeah. I mean, I'm a drinker and a driver, man. I don't know about y'all, but when I get loaded, I want my car. <laughs> because this party's going to get lame, and i got to find a better one. You know? i got to be able to jam, or I'm going to be home drinking, I'm going to run out, and i got to go get more. You know? Or I'm going to get a call, somebody's scoring some good stuff, i got to be able to get to it. Um, you know? Or I'm going to be at work, and I'm going to get loaded, and i got to get home. Right? So, uh... So anyway, I ended up getting my first DUI, and uh, you know, I went to some AA meeting. You know, I had to go to some AA meetings with that little get well card that the court system likes to give the alcoholics. <laughs> and uh, you know, I uh, I went to those AA meetings and I was looking for the differences. You know, uh, one thing you know, if you're if you're new to Alcoholics Anonymous, one thing that we like to suggest to the new people is that when you come to these meetings, that you, that you listen for the similarities. You know, take what you can and leave the rest. Um, you know, because you're gonna you're gonna hear what you're looking for, you know. And I went to those AA meetings, and I was like, you know, I've seen the movies, man. I've seen TV. I know what an alcoholic is. You know, it's somebody that lives under a bridge and eats out of a trash can. You know, and I, you know, I have clean clothes. I, you know, I, you know, I'm employed some of the time, and <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm not really homeless. You know, it's, I'm not an alcoholic. You know, and so I went and I heard nothing but differences. You know, all 15 of those meetings that I had to go to, and. You know, afterwards I was like, well, thank God I went to those meetings because now I know for sure I'm not an alcoholic, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, the thought did occur to me, like, you know, you can't drink and drive. You know, they don't take that lightly out here, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, so, um, and so, you know, after about a month I was right back to drinking and driving. You know, because if you're a real alcoholic like I am, it's just not possible to not drink and drive. I mean, you know, I'm definitely not going to quit drinking. And if you live in L.A., you got to drive. I mean, I wasn't familiar with public transportation, you know. So, um, ten months later, I ended up getting my second DUI behind a little uh, a little fender bender. I was on like three or four hits of Xanax, been drinking Guinness and Amstel all night. And... Um, yeah, I was just at that really comfortable place to where my my reflexes weren't happening right when I needed them to, and uh, <laughs> ended up ended up uh, rear-ending somebody at the uh, at a stoplight. And uh, the way that I remember it happening was uh, they they sped up like they were going to go through the yellow light, and then they slowed down. That's probably not what happened at all. That's the way I remember it, though. My story, and I'm sticking to it. So, by the time I went to hit the hit the brakes, you know, of course I was a wet noodle, and you know, I was on the brakes, but I still rear-ended them, and my car wouldn't start. Because if it would, I would have been out of there. But trust me, man. I tried. I'm sitting there. I was like, come on, come on, come on. All right, start, start, start. And the guy came back. He's like, you okay? I'm like. Oh yeah, man. I'm just trying to pull it off the road here, you know. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the highway patrol pulled up, and next thing you know, I found myself, uh, you know, down to the drunk tank. And uh, you know, I remember when I got down there, and uh, you know, I was in that holding cell, and you know, there's a you know a handful of guys in there, everybody standing in a huddle, and it's going around the circle, and the guys are saying what they're in jail for. Came to the guy before me, and he said he was in for armed robbery. You know, I remember thinking, wow, man, I got screwed. 
you know, and I was, you know, I felt kind of somewhat comfortable. I've been in jail before, you know, I know this song and dance. And came to me, I'm like, yeah, I'm in here for my second DUI. And uh, the armed robbery guy looks over at me and he goes, man, you're screwed. <laughs> at that point, I was like, I was like what? <laughs> you know, like... You know, and, and after that, he pulled me aside and he goes, he goes, he goes, "Dude, you're definitely going downtown on this." He's like, he's like, in downtown, you don't want to be a, the county lockup downtown. He's like, but that's what they're having gang wars and racial stuff going on. People are getting killed and shit. He's like, you know, <laughs> he, goes, he goes, he goes, I've been down there a couple times. He's like, he's like, and here's what you got to do, okay? What you got to do when you get down there is tell them that you're depressed so that you can, you know, so you can, so you can, so you can end up in the, uh, you know, into the, into the, in the psych area and, you know, real. Relatively speaking, it's a good place to be. You know, they got color TV all day in the shower. Hot showers are hot, and, and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, if my best option is to end up in the psych ward, like, what is it coming to for me, man? You know? And so uh, I was like, you know, apparently that was my only real option. So of course, like any other good alcoholic, I did take that option. And uh, you know, when I got downtown, it's one of the most horrible things I've ever had to go through in my entire life. The process of getting both into county. You know, because what, what it was, it was, you know, like like 500 stinky, smelly dudes in a concrete room for like 48 hours, and everybody's eating bologna sandwiches. <laughs> and, uh, and I know it was 48 hours because they had like six or seven different movies that played on the TV, and uh, I saw every single one of those movies like six or seven times. And, uh... I mean, it was, uh, and I remember one of the movies was uh, that, that old Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Eraser. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I remember that particular one, but I remember quoting him, I'll be back. <laughs> I was back. <laughs> um, so anyway, they, uh, you know, after like 48 hours, they, it was time, they, they called my name, it's time for me to go upstairs, and... Uh, and, uh, you know, I noticed, like, when I went up to the window, they'd been giving them their, you know, the guys, that, their jailbird outfits, their county blues rolled up, their, you know, the, you know, the, the outfit you wear in jail. And when I walked up, they didn't hand me the blues. They handed me something that was like, it was like, it looked like a, a rolled up, like, U-Haul furniture blanket. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I was like, what's this? Oh, that's a roll. Go ahead, that'll, that'll be just fine. We're going to go ahead and escort you on upstairs. And so, uh, and so they did. They escorted me on up to the seventh floor there at the Twin Towers. A few of y'all know what the seventh floor is. Yeah, that was, uh, that's where the honest to God for real crazy people are. Like the real nut jobs. I mean, like, I walked up there and, you know, I could see the cell that I was about to go into. They led me up, you know, up to the, the second floor and the, into the pod and I was walking down and, and, you know, the first thing I noticed is that, like, it's not like a, area like any other jail I'd ever been in before. There's not bars. There's not like metal doors. It's like all glass. Like a petting zoo or something. And, uh, you know, so I, so I went up there and they, they, they led me, they led me down, you know, and I started, I started noticing like who my colleagues were in this area, right? The, the guy in the cell, like on one side of me, is like slamming his head into the wall, you know, like he's out of a Stephen King movie. And, uh, the guy on the other side's like drinking toilet water, you know, he's like, you know, and when I, you know, when I got in there, I'm just, I'm thinking to myself, wow, dude, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't very long that the, the drugs and the alcohol started to wear off, you know, and, uh, and I'm sitting there on the bunk and the drugs and the alcohol are wearing off and like, 
my situation started to like fade in and technicolor. You know what I mean? Like it, it got really real really quick. And uh, and I was just I was just sitting there, you know, and like and I felt God sit next to me on the bunk. And what I felt God say to me was, if you continue to drink and use drugs, this is what you have to look forward to the rest of your life. You know, but it doesn't have to be like this. And uh, you know, even then, even up to that point, I didn't want to quit. I did not want to quit. You know, I had never in my entire life wanted to quit more than about you know a day or two, so that my kidneys would quit hurting. You know, my lower back. So you know, a lot of mornings I wake up, and I was like, I was like, yeah, but I'm not gonna quit. You know, I don't have a problem. You know, I mean, I I drink every day. I do drugs if they're available, and it's you know that's just the way I live, man. And uh, and then I have what the big book refers to as a moment of clarity. And that moment of clarity was they don't lock people in glass cages that don't have a problem. <laughs> and uh, and it was and it was then and there and I, you know and I, I remember the the moments like right before I completely surrendered. You know, I mean, like I remember the last couple of thoughts that I was having. I was like. I was like, I was like, man, if I quit drinking, I'm I'm never gonna have fun ever again. Like I really thought I was never gonna have fun. I was like, I'm not gonna be able to smile. I'm not gonna be able to talk to people. I'm not gonna be able to go out and do anything. Like, how how do you live if you're not loaded? Like, I I really didn't know. But then I was just like, you know what? Um, you know, if that's if that's what it means for me to not have to live this way ever again, then I'm absolutely willing to do it. And so it was like I walked up to the edge of the cliff. Turned around and just let myself fall, you know. I didn't know if I was going to fall on jagged rocks or, or what, you know. And come to find out, I actually landed on the most comfortable mattress I've ever laid on in my entire life, you know. But um, what happened for me, like, like when I surrendered, you know, when I totally and absolutely let go, you know, like it, like it talks about in, in the first step of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and I don't know if you've ever looked up the word surrender in the dictionary, but one of the definitions says to join the winning side, you know. And... Uh, and I had a I had an experience very similar to the one that Bill Wilson talks about in his story, you know, like the like the white light shone around him and the wind from the mountainside blew through him and, and all that. And it was like I, I absolutely it was like I felt the weight of the world come off my shoulders. You know? Like I like I really did. It was like I let go and it was like I felt the weight of the world come off my shoulders. My head got light. You know, I was like, wow, and I just this just this feeling of I'm okay, I'm gonna be fine came came over me. Very intense feeling. And um you know, and so, and, and and so from there, you know, I was okay. I ended up being in jail. You know, like you know, like you know, a couple of two or three or four weeks. And uh, you know, when I got out, I got connected to Alcoholics Anonymous immediately. You know, and I'm really glad that I did. You know, like when I got out of jail, trust me, I was tempted to walk right across the street and have a beer. You know, because I needed, you know, I needed a little vacation. But but the thought occurred to me, like, you know, if I keep doing what I've always done, I'm going to keep getting what I always got. Because if nothing changes, ain't nothing going to change. And so... um so I went to that meeting, you know, and um, it, you know, I remember, like, I started, you know, I started meeting some 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 of you people, you know, some of, some of the guys with, you know, some of the old timers came up, some of the people who've been around here, some of the some of the people that that had less than ten days who sponsored had instructed them to come up to me, you know, and I'm forever grateful to those guys. I remember, you know, there, you know, some guy with like 25 years was talking to me, my eyes were like glazed over, you know, and he's trying to tell me all this stuff, and this guy came up, and he's like, hey man, my sponsor told me to come up and say hi, I've got like seven days, you know, and I was like immediately fixated. On this guy, I'm like, dude, how did you do it? You know, because it's like 25 years, I'll never do that. But man, if you got 10 days, I think you, could, I could probably go 10 days. You know, and uh, he's like, I don't know, man. You know, I'm just calling my sponsor and doing the deal, and you know, and I'm really, I'm really grateful to that guy. And um, 
but you know, some of the some of the guys, you know, started giving me the suggestions. You know, one guy came up and he said, he said, he said, look, you know, um, when you find the winners in these rooms who are the guys who have a smile on their face, you know, it seems like it's working for. Take all the suggestions that they give you and try everything for just the first thirty days. You know, and. Uh, you know, at the end of, of the 30 days, you know, if, if, you're, if your life's not in a better place, if it's not going a little better for you, worst case scenario, your life can go back to exactly the way it was before and you only lost 30 days, you know. That made sense to me. I'm like, yeah, I was in jail for almost that long. I can do anything for 30 days, you know. Um, somebody else suggested to me, they said, for as often as you used to drink and or drug, that's how often you should go to meetings. You know, if you, um, you, know, if you used to drink every day, you should probably go to a meeting every day. If you used to, you know, do drugs two or three times a day, you should probably go to two or three meetings every day. You know, and that made sense to me too. And, um, you know, I got a sponsor right away. I started, you know, I started working the steps, you know, because the way that I live my life, like I said, man, if I'm stepping into the batter's box, I'm swinging for the fence. You know, I'm all or none. So I jumped in and started working the steps right away. And, uh, you know, I'm really, really glad that I did. Um, I, uh... You know, I, I started going to a lot of meetings, you know, and somebody suggested to me, they said, you know, once you find the meetings that you're comfortable at, you know, some of, some of the meetings, are, and there's, there's like a ton of meetings every single week in Los Angeles, you know, and they're like, if you go to meetings you don't like, keep going until you find some meetings. But once you find the meetings that you feel good at, then get a commitment at that meeting, you know. It gives, it, first of all, it gives you a reason to be there. Secondly, you know, it gives you a purpose to be there. Like, if, you know, if, you, if you're not there for your commitment, people are going to know. You know, and uh, and they were right. You know, because those people, you know, if something came up and I wasn't there, you know, I'd you know be getting calls from three or four people. You know, which was crazy to me. Like the fact that three or four people actually cared that I wasn't somewhere. You know, but um, you know, and um, and I, you know, like I said, I got a sponsor right away. And uh, for me, you know, what a sponsor is, it's just. You know, it's just a guide. You know, it's just a guide on this on this spiritual journey that I'm on. You know, it's kind of kind of like a tour guide. You know, because I, I grew up I grew up in Texas. You know, and you know we, I had a jeep. We like to drive around out in the country and like shoot at little furry animals. And I was always loaded, so I never really hit much. But um, but uh, you know, and, and and it's like if I went over to Africa. You know, I'd be really tempted to like rent a jeep and go drive around in the jungle, man. You know, some guy thinks he can. I can see some cool stuff, but the thing that I don't know, you know, I know that I want to see the lions and tigers, but I don't know how close I can get before they'll start charging on me. You know what I mean? And like, I don't know what uh, five minutes, and I, you know, I don't know what what quicksand looks like. You know, I'd be, you know, I like to drive fast too, so you know, who knows? So. um you know, all a sponsor is is just you know it's like that tour guide who you know the, the tour guide's in the you know in the truck with you you're driving around they're like okay there's the lions and tigers okay pull up a little bit further okay stop close enough take all your pictures from here you don't want to get eaten you know uh-huh. okay you got a big lake of quicksand coming up stop you're gonna want to steer around it you know and that's and that you know that's exactly what a sponsor is in the program you know it's somebody who can who can who can steer me around the pitfalls all the dangers all the dangerous stuff and can show me all the great signs. You know, you know, like a, you know, you're driving by. Oh, there's a great cave right behind these trees. You can't see it from here. We're gonna have to go in there. You know, like that's you know that's what my sponsor was to me when I was new. You know, he was able to show me the great things about Alcoholics Anonymous and being sober, and um, and uh, it was you know it was really magical. I worked through all twelve steps. You know, and and I, I don't know if you've ever really paid attention like when the 12th step is read but there's a promise in there and that promise is a spiritual awakening it says having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps 
And uh, I absolutely had a spiritual awakening as the result of doing all 12 steps, you know. And for me, you know, it wasn't like a burning bush experience. What it was like for me is it was like my spirit just kind of woke up. And I realized that, like, life is going on around me, you know. My, uh, you know, my whole life I'd been like this huge barstool dreamer, man, talking about all this great, wonderful stuff I'm going to be doing, you know, from a barstool. But I was always too too hammered to ever get anything done, you know. And uh, and so, you know, sobering up and having that spiritual awakening, like, man, I started I started doing some stuff, you know. I mean, I started doing some stuff. I'm a scuba diver, man. I started getting out and diving. I started, tra- you know, I've, I've, I've done a lot of traveling. I got my motorcycle license this past year. You know, it's like it, it's been just this, this great, wonderful, beautiful journey. And um, I know I've got like like two minutes left probably, and there's a lot more I want to talk about, but I, I, I want to close with this. I'm... I'm really, really a huge proponent of, of working the 12th step, carrying the message. I'm, I'm really involved with H&I. And, um, and uh, you know, I've got to give this thing away in order to keep it, you know. And my life today is so good that I don't want to do anything to mess it up. I remember it was about three or four years ago, and uh, I, was at the, I was at the Venice Beach meeting on Sunday, and a friend of mine was... I hadn't seen it in a while. I got sober in Hollywood, you know, for like my first five years. And, and, uh, and I saw him at the meeting, and he was telling me about like, you know, five or six people that had been friends of ours, who, you know, who were around when I'd gotten sober. He had between like 15 and 25 years. And this particular year, like seven or eight of these people had like gone out. And, and I was just like, I was like, how does that happen? How does somebody who has 15 to 25 years sober, who's done the deal, sponsored people, had all these commitments, how, how, does that, how do people like that end up going out? And I'll never forget what he said. He goes, he goes, these are people that have been standing in line at the all-you-can-eat-for-free AA buffet all these years, taken, 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 to where it eventually got to the point where they felt like Alcoholics Anonymous had nothing left to, to give them. And so then what happened? It's always the first thing you hear when people go out and they come back. They always tell you, I quit going to meetings. Right? Because I know for me, give me a couple of days with some sunshine, a little money in my pocket, I'll forget I ended up in the psych ward. <laughs> you know? Seriously. And, uh, you know, much less. You know, a couple weeks or months, but um, you know, by the but you know, and and, uh, and you know what he said. He goes, he goes, he goes, man. When you've gotten everything that you can get from Alcoholics Anonymous, that's when it's time to start giving it back. That's when you got to go to these meetings. You got to hook up with the newcomers. You got to start speaking on panels. You got to, you know, you got to be of service. You got to really dig in, man, and stick around here and keep doing the deal. You know, because that's how it happens. Because it perpetuates me working through the 12 steps, giving it away, coming right back to the first step, puts me right back into the steps again. That way, I get to stay on this on this stairway to heaven, <laughs> so to speak. And it, it, you know, my sobriety, this you know sobriety has actually been a stairway to heaven for me. You know, my life is so good today. I don't even recognize it as being my own. I mean, Alcoholics Anonymous. Has, has has allowed me to just find an amazing, an amazing and wonderful life, and um, a life that I'm that I'm will forever be grateful for. And I and I, I hope that I'm able to stay involved and keep giving this thing away and stay sober for the rest of my life because I never want to go back where I came from. And uh, so with that, I just want to say thank all of you for being here, and uh, it's been a pleasure being here with you. Thank you.